I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. I'm gonna sing like a butterfly and sing like a bee. His hands can't hit what his eyes can't see. Chaos family, what's good? Welcome back to another episode of the Cerebral Chaos Podcast. I'm your gracious host, Docella. Glad to be with you today. Hope that you had a great weekend, and I hope that your week upcoming is amazing. First, I want to start off this week's episode with a little bit of a somber note again. Unfortunately, I do want to briefly address the victims of the Buffalo, New York tragedy that we had last week, just so that you know, um, I won't give the uh, racist, uh, prejudiced individual who committed these acts of murder attention by mentioning his name, but I will mention that a 18-year-old kid murdered 10 victims this past week in Buffalo, New York, Uh, the Murderer was white and the victims were black. And that was the reason that the victims died because they were black. I will address their names. Won't address his because he's not worth it. Uh, Ruth Whitfield was 86 years old. Roberta Drury was 32 years old. Aaron Salter was 55 years old. Hayward Patterson was 67 years old. Pearl Young was 77 years old. Geraldine Talley, 62 years old. Celestine Cheney, 65 years old. Catherine Massey, 72 years old. Margus Morrison, 52 years old. Andre McNeil, 53 years old. Don't even have the words to describe, again, the feelings that me as an African-American man have to endure by seeing 10 people who were murdered viciously by gunfire simply because they were African-American like me. Again, here we are as a nation. Uh, The further we come, the further we backtrack. And I say we because it takes all of us. Check people. Only advice I have for you today, check people. That goes for black or white people. If you got somebody in your family, we know there's a lot of people in these families that are this way. I think this is I think racism is a taught action. I don't think anyone is born with a racist bone in their body. I think this behavior is learned and taught. So only thing I can tell you is do better. Uh, we, we have to do better. Um, we keep saying it and saying it and saying it some more. And unfortunately, we keep having to address this issue. Someone's skin color should not determine how you feel about them. This is 2022. We're still having animus against people because of their skin tone 
no matter which side it's on. If, if you're white and you think that way, I got a problem with you. If you're black and you're that way, I have a problem with you. If you're any color and you think that way, I have a problem with you. So I'm not addressing any one group of people here with this. I'm addressing us all. If you have a problem with someone else because of the skin color, their tone of skin that they were born with, I have a problem with you and you have a problem. So let's do better. All right, let's get into it. Quote of the week this week comes from Henry David Thoreau, who says success usually comes to those who are too busy looking for it. I'm big on this. It's one of my things. You know, life is a strenuous and tenuous road. And sometimes we have to deal with the bumps that are in the road. I think it's easy for us a lot of times to get that flat tire and pull over to the side of the road and just turn around and go home. Well, a lot of times you you forget or you don't have perspective on how close you are to your goal, how close you are to that thing you're trying to get to because you pumped the brakes because you had a flat tire. You turned around and you gave up on everything because you had one trial, one tribulation, two trials, two tribulations. There's no set amount of things that are going to happen before you get to success. So all I can encourage you to do today is if you're on the road to success, Prepare for the bumps in the road. Maybe have about four spare tires in the back of that trunk because just because you hit one pothole doesn't mean you're going to hit another one. Sometimes you have to hit four potholes and replace all four tires and the alternator and the battery and the and the spark plugs and the wires before you get to success. So don't give up so easily. Keep fighting, keep pushing, and you'll get through. So let's get to it. Before we get into today's episode, I want to first thank anyone who's listening to the Cerebral Chaos podcast. As of before this podcast aired, I think we're at about 125 listens total for the podcast. This podcast has been officially in action as of April the 17th. Uh, the last episode I recorded on and listed and dropped on the What's that be the 16th of May? And at that point, after that episode kind of aired and, and did its duty and is still getting some listens, we're at about 125 listens for five episodes. Uh, we also got our first sponsorship opportunity last week by the sponsorship of Anchor, who is pod distributor of the Cerebral Chaos podcast. So I encourage anyone who is thinking about starting their own podcast or think they have something to say or a voice to use, use Anchor. Great tool for anybody who's trying to get their podcast out there or become a content creator. It's easy to use. It's pretty simple. You know, it's it's there's nothing to it really, honestly. So I appreciate them for being our first official sponsor. I appreciate everyone who has got the Cerebral Chaos podcast in a position to attain sponsorship within a month. And also, I noticed when I was looking at the analytics of my podcast, which they show you on Anchor as well, we have a listener all the way in Ireland. Whoever you are, listener all the way in Ireland, I truly, truly appreciate you for listening halfway across the world. Thank you for tuning in and giving Cerebral Chaos your time. I, I truly appreciate it. It does not go unmentioned. I tell you what, if, if that listener is listening, hit me up on IG or Facebook or whatever platform that you're on, I'll make sure you get a, a, a real live mention as far as your name, because that's big for me that you would take uh, your time out to listen all the way in another country for someone I've probably never, ever met. So I truly appreciate you as well. 
appreciate everybody who's listening. Continue to like, share, comment, subscribe, do what you can to share this podcast because it's for me, it's not about the money or anything like that or the sponsorships. It's about using my voice to to reach someone maybe all the way over there in Ireland who just needs a, a word of encouragement or anything that they may take from this podcast. So I take a bow. It is because of you. I appreciate you as the listener and continue listening because we got a long way to go. All right, let's get into it. Take a walk down memory lane with me. The year is 1996. It's about 3.34 p.m. in the afternoon and little Docella is getting off his school bus in Bastrop, Louisiana after a long, fun day of school. And he can't wait to get home so he could turn on one of his favorite TV series ever. He turns on the channel to Cartoon Network. He sees that green dragon, that pointy hair, orange suit wearing Saiyan pop on his screen. And all of his childhood fears and concerns immediately become a thing of the past. That's right. We're going to talk about possibly the most iconic anime show of all time to hit American Airways, Dragon Ball Z. So far, Cerebral Chaos podcast listeners that aren't into anime and cartoons, stick with me. This will all come full circle, I promise you. So my earliest memories of Dragon Ball Z, for those of you who aren't familiar with DBZ, it follows Goku, who's our main character, along with his friends, the Z Fighters, in their constant battles to save Earth and the universe against Saiyans, aliens, androids, and whatever you want to consider Majin Buu as. There's been about a 25-year running arc with Goku and the Z Fighters. It all started with Dragon Ball, which is the original story of Goku, about 11 years old at the time, competing in his first World Martial Arts Tournament. Goku was born a Saiyan, which is a race of uber-competitive fighters that get stronger basically every battle that they take on. There were basically once bounty hunters that went throughout the galaxy being hired guns to take over and destroy planets in order to become the strongest race in the universe. Now, so the Saiyans for the most part and their entire planet were destroyed by who will become the first antagonist of the second arc of the series, Frieza. While Frieza was busy destroying the Saiyans and their planet, a few of them made it out, namely Goku, who at the time was sent to Earth via spaceship by his parents in order to not only survive, but to actually conquer Earth. Uh, if you could imagine Superman being sent to America or being sent to the Earth in a alien space pod, Goku was the same way. A little baby being sent to Earth to conquer Earth and escape Frieza. One of the other main saints to survive was Prince Vegeta, our first antagonist of the DBZ series and later one of the main protagonists soon after his arc is over. There are also a few other main characters in most of the arcs, starting with Bulma, who at the first time we see her with Goku in the OG Dragon Ball series was traveling with Goku, who was her quote unquote hired bodyguard in search of the mystical Dragon Balls, which if all seven are found, can grant any three wishes to whoever finds them. Krillin is Goku's best friend, and they're both being trained in martial arts by Master Roshi. Piccolo, who was the spawn of King Piccolo, who was one of the main antagonists of the original Dragon Ball series, was created to seek out revenge on Goku after being defeated. And he eventually becomes one of Earth's mightiest heroes as well after their fight. Gohan is Goku's eldest son. Vegeta, who we talked about earlier before. And Trunks, who is Vegeta's eventual son with Bulma. Now, there are many secondary characters, but for the purposes of this podcast... And the purposes of the series, pretty much, those are the main characters that this series evolves around. 
Now, you do have some secondary characters like Goten, who is Goku's youngest son, Master Roshi, who is the trainer of Krillin and Goku. You got Tien. You have Yamcha, Android 17 and 18, Chao Tzu, Beerus, and eventually Whis. Now, but the core of the show are the characters that I named before throughout the entire 30 arc, basically. As of right now, there are mainly five Dragon Ball series that have hit the airwaves in America. Uh, it started with Dragon Ball, which led to Dragon Ball Z, which led to Dragon Ball GT, which led to Dragon Ball Super, and which led to now, which is Super Dragon Ball Heroes. I had so much fun each day tuning in to Dragon Ball Z, which is basically broken down into four sagas. Starting with the Saiyan Saga, which led to the Frieza Saga, which led to the Android Cell Saga, and finally the Boo Saga. My favorite arc of this series is the Frieza Saga, without question, which is the first time when we meet Goku's legendary Super Saiyan form. All of the other sagas are awesome for me, but that's the one that sticks out for me. My favorite moment all time is when Goku first goes Super Saiyan against Frieza in the final battle. And if you've never seen this before, I urge you to go on YouTube and type in Goku versus Frieza final battle. For, for anybody that knows about Dragon Ball Z or watched Dragon Ball Z, the legend of the Super Saiyan was a very, very long running rumor for a long time. So when we finally got to watch all these episodes and watch these seasons and everything culminated with Goku finally yelling for about 15 minutes and turning Super Saiyan and that hair sticking up and going golden yellow. I mean, it was, I mean, at the feeling at the time, I can almost compare it to tears of the, you know, of graduation, of accomplishment or any kind of achievement. Because if you stuck with Dragon Ball for that long through Dragon Ball and you watched Dragon Ball Z and you watched the first Saiyan saga where Vegeta actually enters Earth with another Saiyan named Nappa to take over Earth and defeat Goku, whose Saiyan name is Kakarot, who you hear him call that a lot. You've went through that. Now you're in this Frieza saga where the Z fighters find themselves on Namek trying to protect planet Namek from the eventual problem that will become Frieza. So Frieza shows up. If anybody remembers the Ginyu Force, which is his higher goons, the Frieza Force, they basically show up on Namek and they basically wreck shop. Anybody that's there, anybody that's living has to get the business. We've gone through all this and all the episodes and the next time on Dragon Ball Z and the buildup. So to finally see Goku eventually go legendary Super Saiyan with the golden spikes, the legendary golden straight up spike hair. I mean, at the time, it was probably one of the happiest moments of my life. You know, when you dedicate so much to these shows and you finally get to that season finale or that series finale or that big climax in the series you feel so accomplished because you've stuck out all this time and dedicated all this time to these characters and invested in these characters and invested in these stories so to see it all pay off and culminate with Goku going Super Saiyan and I mean just throttling Frieza after going Super Saiyan it's just amazing. One of the one of the pioneer moments of anime on television in, in the history of the United States. Far and beyond without question, just go YouTube, go Google it. If you've never seen Goku going Super Saiyan against Frieza, I urge you to see that. 
There have also been 16 movies so far, with the 17th coming this August entitled Dragon Ball Super Superhero. My favorite movie probably has to be The Tree of Might, uh, with the first Broly movie and Fusion Reborn being close behind. My favorite character probably has to be Vegeta, and as much as I love Goku, Vegeta was just always second to Goku, no matter how much he trained, and his sole mission was to somehow jump ahead of Goku with power level, and every time it felt like he got a little bit close, or even maybe on the same level, Goku would kick it up another notch and just show us another level, show us another Super Saiyan transformation that we hadn't seen before. So I always felt a little place in my heart for Vegeta because he was just initially he was just so angry because he was the Saiyan prince and his dad was the king of the Saiyans. So for him to come to Earth and there be a little Saiyan there that's never even really taken part in any Saiyan activities who was more powerful than him. And who continued to be more powerful than him, even though he became one of our main protagonists for for Goku to continually be more powerful than him and always be more powerful than him and always kind of joke at him and pick at him about, you know, going up another level and, and, and picking, you know, training spots with him. I just always felt for Vegeta and Vegeta used Vegeta is just a ball of emotion and anger all the time if you if you've ever seen the episode of dragon ball z you know what i mean when i'm talking about vegeta just anger and just oh my god Kakarot. i mean he's just he's just always on a hundred and he he hey one thing about vegeta he ain't scared of no fight so no matter what they go through even if he isn't powerful as goku or powerful enough to defeat that foe he's still gonna give you some work for a little while before you may figure out that he ain't strong enough. So I always felt the place in my heart for Vegeta because I just felt so bad for him because he he was just your John every man that keeps pushing and keeps trying and just never can't reach that goal like he wants to. So I always felt the place in my heart for Vegeta, poor Vegeta. But like I said, after the the first arc where he comes to Earth as a you know initial antagonist, he after that becomes one of our pioneer and main you know protagonists, good characters in the series. Uh, does a lot of good after that, so he he actually reformed and shaped his life. So how did this apply to us as humans? Now that you've heard all that story about how much I love Dragon Ball Z as a youngster, and I could go on and on and on, but I'm going to do you guys some respect and not bore you for the next 35 minutes about Dragon Ball Z. I just wanted to kind of lay out what Dragon Ball Z is if you've never seen it before, if you've never watched it before. It's out there on airways. It's out there on YouTube. The most of the new stuff like Super Dragon Ball Heroes is not really on a airway or app or anything. Is Maybe it's on the Funimation app, maybe, but something you have to pay for. But you can pretty much watch any and all the episodes of Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball Super, uh, OG Dragon Ball. All that stuff's going to be on YouTube somewhere. If you look hard enough, you can find most of it. I know for you, those of you that are listening that have stuck with us so far who don't like anime or Dragon Ball Z, trust me, I appreciate you. Now we get to the part that you like about the Cerebral Cows podcast. What does this mean for us? How does this apply to us? Why are you doing a podcast on Dragon Ball Z? First of all, I just want to show respect to one of the most influential TV series of mankind's history, not only in that fact, but Probably the reason why anime is as big as it is in the United States now is it, it all started with Dragon Ball Z. I mean, this was the thing, you know, in the the late 90s, early 2000s, you know, I can remember playing in recess and we're 
shooting imaginary Kamehameha's at everybody else. And we're having these imaginary fights and imaginary power ups. And I could just remember how influential that Dragon Ball Z was. It just was. I don't have anything to make you feel or compare it to if you weren't in that time. I just apologize to you. But go do some research on Dragon Ball Z and go find some episodes. And for me, it was a series that I love. So I've watched every episode of all five of those, you know, Dragon Ball series, Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball GT, Dragon Ball Super, Super Dragon Ball Heroes. I just finished a couple weeks ago on YouTube. I've been in love with this show and series as long as I've been in love with anything in my life. Um, Got a lot invested in those series, a lot invested in the movies. I have a lot of the movies purchased. I have a lot of the series purchased. I have it in my file, in my closet, with my DVD stack. We're going to flip the script now and tell you a little bit about as I was thinking of how to choreograph this episode and how to make this all come back full circle and say, what does this mean to us as humans or what can we take from this as humans? Because think about it. If something's airing on TV for that long, the end result is to show some type of reflection and how it can reflect on your life or how it can prove a point or how it can be relatable to us somehow. So I, when I was thinking about it, I, I just thought about a few things and give the examples of how Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z relate to us as humans and how we can use something from the show to apply to our life. Dragon Ball Z as a show gives us the power of community, the power of friendship and family. And no matter what, they always stick together. So I gave you those main characters earlier who are basically, aside from Dragon Ball and Goku, who's a youngster, but there's still some Bulma steers there the entire series. Krillin is there the entire series, Yamcha, Tien, Piccolo, if you want to say King Piccolo. I mean, we have the same basically core group of 10 people that always stick together no matter what, no matter who comes to Earth, no matter what Frieza does or no matter what Majin Buu did and no matter what the androids did or no matter what the trial was when Goku was almost dying from a heart disease. I mean, no matter what it was, these guys just always found a way to stick together no matter what. And it, it even involved sometimes with lesser characters like Tien and Yamcha and Krillin kind of sacrificing themselves until the big guns and Goku or Vegeta came in later to save the day. We talked about the opposite at the beginning of the episode. And here we are talking about an animated show that demonstrated the power of community and the power of people. I know a lot of us like to be lone wolves and we just like to rebel and, you know, live in this power of somewhat being all by myself. But the real power always lies in community. The real change always lies in a group of people, no matter what, sticking up for what's right and believing in each other. That group of people can accomplish anything. And our Z fighters have accomplished a lot. They've saved the world time and time and time again. And a lot of times it wasn't just Goku just showing up and killing everyone or Vegeta showing up and just killing everyone. A lot of times it took multiple hands in the fire, it took multiple acts of these group of people just trying to sacrifice themselves and stick together and doing things in the name of what's right. It took always it took the collective of them being together in order to defeat the foe. That's one of the things that the creator wanted to show in created Dragon Ball Z that how powerful the earth, 
you know, as a symbol and that group of people symbolizing how powerful Earth could be by sticking together. So even that we're dealing with alien foes or alien forces coming to the Earth, wanting to destroy the Earth. And a lot of times there are humans involved. This group of people stuck together and took on every single trial and showed the fortitude and showed how powerful they could be, even if they weren't powerful enough as an individual. The collective was always more powerful than the evil. Goku himself symbolizes the human spirit and that no matter what obstacles may present in front of us, we have the innate ability to overcome if we believe in ourselves and we do not give up. Now, I wanted to give you an example from one of the movies. It's called um, Dragon Ball Battle of the Gods. Um, so in the last couple arcs, there is a god of destruction who basically roams the universe that this planet exists in, Universe 7. His name is Beerus. Um, if you've ever seen Beerus, he looks like a life-size purple rabbit, and he's the god of destruction, which means he could destroy the universe in the snap of a finger, and he's there to basically make sure that everything goes according to how it should. So if something comes along, Beerus can use it, or Beerus has the power to take care of it. So in the movie uh, Battle of the Gods, um, he and Goku fight uh, because Beerus initially comes to the Earth to destroy it. And Goku, of course, is like, nah, play it, that ain't happening. So we see as the movie goes on and as the fight goes on, we see, like I said earlier, Goku unlocks this new level called Super Saiyan God. Now, again, for my hyper-religious people, don't take it too serious. It's just we're talking about a TV show here. Um, he goes Super Saiyan God. Um, in the fight, Beerus brings that out of Goku, which is a level that Goku hasn't had prior to the fight. The funny thing about Goku is that that level is so powerful or that that enhancement and transformation is so powerful that it can only be sustained for a limited amount of time. Now, Goku gets so wrapped up in this fight because he, he loves nothing more than fighting. Maybe his wife and maybe he loves nothing more than the challenge and the fight. You know, because he understands that every fight makes him stronger as being a saying. And he's always seeking to be the most powerful being in the universe at this point. Beerus unlocks this level of Super Saiyan God and Goku that he can't manage. As the movie goes on, we see Goku in the middle of the fight lose the access and power to that level because, again, his body can't control or harness that power for more than maybe 10 minutes. Well, Goku is so wrapped up in this fight that he doesn't even realize that the power leaves him. He's got so much innate strength in his mind and so much fortitude and fight in his mind that he's the only one in the fight that doesn't realize he doesn't have that power anymore. Beerus realizes it, but he doesn't realize it because Goku still competing with Beerus at the same level as if he still had access to the Super Saiyan God level. So I say that to say this, your power, your belief, a lot of times starts with you. Goku believed that he could compete and fight with Beerus, even though his body said that he couldn't because of what his mind thought and because of how disciplined he was in his mind. He somehow unlocked an ability to compete 
with a God of destruction and also unlocked an ability in his mind and body to continue to compete with that God of destruction, even if he didn't have equal power on paper. When you think about it on that aspect, and I know we don't watch these kind of shows with that aspect, but again, think about that. Goku was not on the level as Beerus, but he somehow unlocked in his mind and trained with the discipline in his mind. And he was so caught up in wanting to save the earth and do what was right that he gave himself a level or boost of power that his body literally couldn't couldn't give him. So he competes with Beerus up to basically a draw. And Beers just finally acknowledges how strong that he is without acknowledging, unfortunately. But he finally acknowledges like, man, this dude is I mean, this dude is he's he's that deal. He's something I wanted to relate that to you as well. A lot of what you can achieve is only compartmentalized or boxed in by your mind. So if you continue to think negatively about things, if you continue to box your own mind and then you put your own, you know, you put your own roadblocks or stop gaps in front of you by saying I can't or I won't or I've never done it before. So I can't or nobody's ever done it before. So I can't. You only you only hurting yourself. Don't put roadblocks in your own mind. Whatever your dream is, whatever your goal is, whatever you want to do in life, you fight for it and you don't put up any roadblocks in your mind because you can do it. We've seen time and time again, things get done when people say they can you know, we've seen the impossible be possible time and time and time again in the entire existence of the earth and humans. We always find a way. Lastly, again, kind of going back to the opposite of what I was talking about at the beginning of the episode, unfortunately, Goku's most powerful attack, which is called the spear bomb, shows us that no matter how powerful you are as an individual, with the help of others, we can make real change and we can defeat anything that we want to. Let me explain to those of you who don't watch Dragon Ball Z. There have been times when Earth has basically been on his last leg, which means we, we've ran in the foes that have defeated all of our Z fighters and beat Goku down to the last drop of his energy. Time and time again, we've seen it in the series several times. We've seen it in the movies a lot of times. So Goku has like this last gasp attack called the spirit bomb, where basically he gathers the entire energy of the earth, the planet, the beings on the planet, the trees, the flowers, the grass, the water. I mean, everything. He basically gathers the spirit of every living thing on the earth, gathers it into a ball of energy and hunks it at whoever his enemy is. I say that to say this, no matter how strong you think you are on your own, you'll always need people. And I always talk to me on the Cerebral Chaos podcast. So this is me. I for a long time thought that I could do whatever and I could beat whoever and I could just do whatever on my own. And I was that strong and that powerful and that just individually fortified that I could take on any task no matter what. We were made for each other. We're made for community. We're made to have people in our lives, you know, so I always talk about just being wary of who you have in your circle, but we need a circle. Everybody needs a circle. Everybody needs a group. Everybody needs a village of people. I talked to you and told you about how strong and how powerful that Goku was. His most powerful attack involves him drawing the energy of others 
of everything around him, of other beings around him. Sometimes these are strangers. I mean, he's literally drawing the energy from the planet, putting it in this energy orb and throwing it at another person. No matter how strong you think you are, no matter how awesome you are as an individual, and there are some awesome individuals who have built themselves up, uh, turned themselves around and turned themselves into to beings of good and got everything on the right track. I'm just telling you from experience here, you will need people. You will need a village. You will need a circle. Now that you be cautious of who you put in that area because everybody's not, everybody doesn't align with you all the time. So, but I'm also telling you that we can't do this without each other. We can't do anything without each other. I spoke about it a little bit uh, last week, I think in the episode, everything that's always changed in the way society is as far as even racism and Jim Crow and all this stuff that we talk about, you know, anything that's happened to us as a society, we've always come together to overcome it. And we can come together to overcome things, but it takes us holding each other accountable. It takes us believing in each other and trusting in each other to, to do anything. And what we can, we can overcome racism or prejudice or women's rights we can we can overcome all this stuff it just takes all of us believing and trusting in the vision believing and trusting in each other and doing what's right with that said i appreciate your time today i hope you've enjoyed this episode follow us on ig at the cerebral chaos pod follow me on ig at docella i appreciate you guys so much again thank you for the support thank you for the listens thank you for the dms I truly, truly appreciate it all. I'm nothing without the listeners. I I truly value you guys, and I will always put you guys first. And if nothing else, chaos family, God bless you. God bless chaos.